0: Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coastal. Welcome to everyone checking us out online. Uh, welcome to the first Sunday of 2021. How does it feel? Okay, I thought it was about the same, really. Um, I mean, I don't know if you but for the last six eight, however many months it is, just been hearing as soon as 2021 hits, right? It's gonna be different, uh, it's gonna feel better, everything's gonna be just so much better in 2021. And you know, maybe for you something has happened in the last like three days, you know, that has made 2021 already a lot better. Honestly, it probably wouldn't take much. But I think for most people, right, so far it's, it's, it's felt the same, right? Not too much more has gone on. Uh, maybe you have some hope that 2021 is gonna be better, and I, I hope you do, but for a lot of people, you know, the craziness of the world is still in full tilt mode, and, and it seems just a lot of the same. All the stuff talk about 2021 doesn't really seem to be hitting yet. Um, but, you know, as we begin the new year, there's a lot of things that, you know, we do with a new year. We, uh, we look forward, right? We set goals, things that we want to accomplish or see happen in 2021. Um, and then for a lot of people, we, you look back, you reflect on the previous year. And I know 2020 is probably a year that most people never want to look back on. Right? Nobody wants to relive the, you know, the beginnings of the pandemic or you know, the first shutdowns or the sickness and, and hurting and instability. Um, I think it's safe to say that 2020 was potentially one of you know, the worst years in, in recent memory. So, again, it's understandable to not want to look back. And to tell you the truth, I'm in, I'm in the same exact boat. Um, it's kind of a funny story. Back in, I'm trying to think, like Thanksgiving of 2019, um, uh, my brother and I actually decided to start this little thing on the side where we, um, we come from, like our dad's a contractor, come from that background, so we're like trying maybe flip a house or something, start a little side business kind of thing. And so Thanksgiving 2019, we're like, oh, let's, you know, we're going to start this. We, we actually got our first house that week of Thanksgiving 2019, and we were sitting down, and this is no lie, word for word, I still hear about to this day, we're talking about when we were going to put this house on the market and, um, you know, we were talking about the renovations and everything, and we talked about spring of 2020 would be the perfect time to, you know, early spring of 2020, perfect time to get it on the market, right? And so we, we were talking about well, the price and all that kind of stuff, and literally, I think almost word for word, I said, that will be a great time to sell, and again, I'm not lying about this, it would be a great time to sell, barring some crazy, you know, countrywide epidemic that stops people from seeing houses. I know that sounds fake, that is almost word for word what I said in that moment, Right, And so, obviously, you know what happened? We went through this whole renovation in spring 2020. We get the house on the market, and then the whole thing happens, right? It was a horrible experience, um, all that kind of stuff. But just saying all that to one, I understand, I somehow kind of predicted a pandemic, and I'm sorry about that. Um, But then also, I understand not wanting to look back on the craziness of 2020. I understand all of us had crazy things going on, bad things that happened, but I'd kind of like to uh, challenge that method of thinking this morning. I actually would kind of like to, to look back, but I'd like to revisit the situation, everything that we've gone through, but I'd like to do it through the lens of God's Word. Right, what texts from God's Word can we find and pull out and study uh, that might relate to what we have gone through this past year and give us some kind of sense of maybe what was going on or, you know, just what, how we can use that in our lives, and so I want to jump right into it. It's Exodus uh, chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. Of the, this one's the New Living Translation. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Right, so a little bit of context here. This is the exodus of the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. Right, God speaks to Moses and he says, I know you already left Egypt. I know you said you'd never go back, but I actually need you to go back. And not only that, but I need you to tell Pharaoh to go ahead and release all the Israelites out of slavery. Right, and then once you've done that in Egypt, I need you to go ahead and lead those Israelites to the land of Canaan or, or the promised land right, that I promised your forefather Jacob. Right, so listen to this again. God tells Moses, I need you to go to Egypt. I need you to free the slaves. I need you to take them to then to Canaan or the promised land. Those are his instructions, right? And so Moses obeys, he goes, he does his thing with Pharaoh. There's plagues, he survives those. He gets Pharaoh to release the slaves, right? And then what does our text say again? Let's it one more time. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, it says God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. So first thoughts, initial reaction, right? Might be kind of like, that, that's not super cool, God. That's not, a, that's not an awesome thing for you to do, right? Like you said, you're supposed to, you know, you said they were gonna go straight to the promised land. You know, you're supposed to be God. You're not supposed to lie, Right? You're supposed to be loving and, and merciful and gracious. You're supposed to be all of these things. Why, why, why would you, you know, go about in this way? And here's something I want you to know this morning is that God is a lot of things, right? The Bible says that God is a lot of amazing things. Right? We can just look at it. In Colossians one, the Bible says that God is infinite, right? He is before all things and holds all things together. Right, in uh, Malachi 3, it says that God is immutable, basically meaning he never changes, he's always the same. The Bible says that God is self sufficient in John chapter 5. In Psalm 33, uh, talking about the creation of the stars by his breath, he says that he is all powerful. Uh, Isaiah 46 tells us that he is all knowing. Uh, Psalm 139 shows that he is omnipotent, he is everywhere. Romans 1, 11, says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Right? He is wise. He is all-knowing. I, I can keep going, right? He is faithful. He is uh, generous. He is merciful. He is loving. He's gracious. He's holy, right? He is our heavenly father. And so here, this one of the main reasons that I think we're really even able to hold it together and survive the things that we do. is because all of these attributes, all of these things that the Bible says about God are actually underlined by one other single attribute. And that is that he is consistent. Right? God is consistent. He doesn't change. He is the same in the past, the present, and the future. He was, he is, and always will be. Right? So we have to know that God is consistent, but... He's also unpredictable. Right? God is consistent, but He is also unpredictable. And here's what I mean by that. You know, we know who God will be. by we can see the text, uh, we can read and, and know the truth. We can predict who God will be, but not always uh, what He will do. Right? We can predict who God will be. We can read the Bible and predict what, uh, who He's going to be, but not always. What he will do. Does that make sense? Right? We know the truth of whose God is, but to be honest, we don't always know what he's gonna do. We know the destination, but not always the path that he will, you know, uh, end up taking to get us there. And we see examples of this all throughout the Bible. You can look at almost almost every miracle that Jesus performs, it's always different. Right? The destination is always the same. He always performs a miracle, but the way he does it is different. Sometimes he heals a paralyzed man or a man of being paralyzed just by saying, get up. And sometimes he heals a blind man by spitting in some dirt and rubbing it in his face. Right? Sometimes he uses other people. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does it immediately. Sometimes he waits. Sometimes he does nothing at all on purpose. Right? We can't predict what God will do. He is unpredictable. Right, and, and you know, this past year, people reaching out to God, you know, in times of trouble, knowing what God is and what He can do, but not what He will do. I think that was the case for a lot of people this past year. I'm like God, I'm hurting. Right, we're sick. We have no money. We have no jobs. I've never been through this. I've never experienced this pain and anxiety, this fear like this. And it seems so horrible because we can't predict what God is going to do. But just like we say, you know, we've never experienced anything like this before, we've never experienced pain like this, God might look at you and say, yeah, that's true, but you've also, you've never prayed like this. You know, for a lot of people, I think they can say, you know, you know things have never been worse. But spiritually, you know, in your relationship and reliance on God, things may never be better. It's kind of an interesting way to think about that, huh? And that's kind of trending towards what the Bible can teach us you know, on this, but I wanna to get to that in just a minute. But you have to know there is no inconsistency with God. Right? He is who he is and was and will be. But that doesn't mean that you can predict the surprises and different paths that he may throw into our lives. And so while he isn't going to you know, alter the plans, he will provide the strength to endure whatever he throws. And what ultimately leads to, what this ultimately leads to is our lives or the quality of our lives being determined by our ability to handle these twists and turns, these things that we don't see coming. And that's tough because, you know, most of us, we want to know the plan, right? We don't like the unpredictable. We don't like to be on a plan going this way and all of a sudden God comes in and says, hey, you know, why don't you just go ahead and about face, reverse course, and head that way. You know, with our text, it was the same way, kind of like Moses. You know, he made his way out of Egypt only to have God set a bush on fire in front of him and say, actually, I'm gonna need you to head right on back there. And so what happens is we have to give up this thing that we try and hold onto so desperately in our life, and, and that's control. Right? The idea of control, really it's the illusion of control. To be honest, You know we have responsibilities in our lives. Yes, you know we have responsibilities to do uh, certain things in our life. We we have influence in our lives. We can influence things one way or another. But control of our life is a completely different thing. Control is honestly a a God thing, right? And shouldering the true weight of control is something that only God is made to handle. Right. That's not something we were designed to carry. We have to recognize that we don't have true control in our lives. And once we get that down, then it becomes a trust issue, right? It's a trust issue. And this is another tough one for people, especially those who you know, don't know God that well or haven't established that deep of a relationship with him. Like I'm, like I'm sitting here saying, you, know, you don't have control. I'm saying that's a God thing, right? Not a you thing. And you can say you believe it, but you can't live it out unless you truly do trust God, unless you trust his word, right? Because we're reading we're about the Israelites journey here. You know, you know, we have a pandemic and we think that is really bad. And, it, and honestly, it is really bad. The sickness and the disease and losing loved ones and losing jobs and just instability. It's all, it's horrific. But these people were slaves and then lost in a desert for 40 years, all right, so it's kind of relatable in that these unforeseen, horrible, horrific seasons. And so this story of Moses and the Israelites, it's different but also relatable in that it shows that we can trust God when he says he will take us somewhere. We might just be surprised on how he does it. Right, we might be surprised on the path that he takes us to get us to our destination, And so back to our story real quick, God, again, he has told Moses, you know, go back to Egypt, free my people, I will lead you all to the promised land, right? I will lead you from Egypt to the promised land. But remember, you know, what our text said, you know, once Pharaoh finally let them go, he didn't lead them down the main road, he didn't lead them down the shortest path, right? Again, we already noticed at first glance, first reading, that it doesn't really seem like a very godly move. I'm sure we all know what Moses and the Israelites were thinking. They were thinking, no, we're out of Egypt. We're out of slavery. The hard part is done. All we do is we have to walk down this little road right on into the promised land. Right? Piece of cake. But our text says that he didn't take them down the shortest path because if they faced a battle, they may change their minds and head back to Egypt. I think that's kind of interesting. Right? And and here's what I, you know, pull from that. While the shorter path, the one that God didn't take them down, while the shorter path may be the perceived easier path, it might be something that we aren't ready for. It might be full of challenges that we aren't ready to handle. It might be full of trials and tribulations that we just can't endure. It might be full of battles that we just can't withstand. I feel like that kind of puts it a little bit into perspective, I think about it, God will take you on what the Bible calls a roundabout way through the battles that you are facing now so that you can, in fact, avoid worse ones. Again, now think about the battle we just fought this past year, everything that went on. And then think about the fact that that might have been the easier of the two. It's kind of scary. right? But while we think you know, we are ready to leave and head down the shortest, perceived, easiest path, we are not ready to deal with what the path requires. The Israelites were ready to get out of Egypt. They were ready to get into the Promised Land, but they weren't ready for the battles and challenges and adversity that the short path, the perceived easiest path to the Promised Land might require. The Bible says in Luke uh, twelve forty-eight: it says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required, right? To whom much is given, much is required. You see, most of the time we think we're ready. Like we're ready, but we're not ready, right? We can be ready for the the blessing, but not the sacrifices needed to get there. And so what I think basically, you know, God is getting at here is that your heart has to be ready for your gift, Right? Your heart has to be ready for your gift. Your heart, your life, your priorities have to be in the right place to receive God's blessing or ultimately it will take you down a path that God did not design for you to go down. Like a lot of times we'll be sitting there waiting for the blessing. Like God, I'm ready for this blessing. I'm ready for this in my life. I'm ready for the promotion. I'm ready for the new job. I'm ready for the spouse. I'm ready for the significant other. I'm ready for the child. I'm ready for this financial blessing, for this to happen in my life. But God knows you're not. And so that door that is supposed to be open for you, that you think is supposed to be open, actually remain closed. But ultimately it is because you're not ready. You're not ready and it will be opened at the exact time that you are. You know, thinking about it, I think that's something that we don't thank God enough for, or really even at all. But looking at it in hindsight, I'm sure you've done this, Closed closed doors are often just as important as open ones. Right? The things that we thought we wanted at the time but didn't get and were mad or disappointed and turned against God turned out to be things we didn't actually want or we didn't actually need. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So back to our text. You know, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds. They might turn back. And in verse 18, it said, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. We already talked about this, but but what is kind of interesting is that if we think back on the original conversation between God and Moses, God said, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to free the people, leave Egypt, go to Canaan. Did you get that? Free the slaves, leave Egypt, go to the promised land. It seems to me that there was no talk of the wilderness or in in other translations, they call it the desert. Again, at least to my semi-trained eye, you know, God being all-knowing, having all the wisdom, he might've left that out. He might've left talk of the wilderness or a desert maybe out on purpose. And again, that doesn't seem like the godly thing to do. Right? It's kind of weird. Basically what he did, he he said again, if they face a battle that they're not ready for, they might change their mind and go back. It seems that he might have intentionally held that tidbit of information back almost until they were too far into their journey to turn back. Does that make sense? It's like he's saying if they face a tough battle on the journey, they might turn away. But on the promised land, imagine if he had told them or if they knew everything they were going to face on the journey beforehand. Chances are they would have never actually gone on the journey. Does that ever happen to you? You're like, how many times have you found yourself in a situation where if you knew all the information, if you knew all the adversity and the challenges that you were going to face beforehand and whatever journey it is in your life, there's a good chance that you would have never said yes to it. I already told you one of those situations for me this past year was that, uh, that house slip. Again, you know, we survived. We learned more than I would ever care to learn on, on one job. Right? But it was a tough situation, you know, financially and, and emotionally and from a job perspective. It was tough. I'm sure you've been in that same situation. So God is saying to the Israelites, if you knew everything that was going to happen to you on the journey, you would have never left and you might still be slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Again, so the text shows we see God has led the Israelites on this roundabout way. And at least, you know, again, this, this translation, the New Living Translation says wilderness. Other translations say desert. And I don't know much about you, but, you know, I read that in the context of the Bible, and I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, right? Like, I like the outside. I like nature. I, I love animals. Something about a biblical wilderness, right, just kind of turns you off. Or a biblical desert, just doesn't sound good. Right? It sounds tough. Sounds like a bad thing. But the cool thing is, we can know the truth, or, or rather, we can learn the truth from God's word and see that again. The wilderness, the desert, may be you know perceived to be negative, but it is necessary. And then I think you can take that train of thought a step further and actually see that the text shows the wilderness is really only bad, like this this time in the wilderness or the desert. It, is really only bad if you stay there longer than you're supposed to. Does that make sense well, for if you, if you? If you don't grow like you're supposed to in this time, if you don't experience what you are supposed to experience, or if you don't learn what you're supposed to learn during your time in the wilderness of the desert, that's when it becomes actually a bad thing. And this is where I think you know, we can directly relate uh, the text to this past year. Right for the Israelites, the wilderness was a surprise. It was a surprise, terrible season of life. Kind of like our 2020. Although, for a little perspective, you know, it was 2020 for us. We obviously haven't made it to the end, but that was one year. They were lost in the desert for 40 years. So we won't we won't really talk about that. Don't want to speak that to existence. But you know, the wilderness was a surprise. It was a tough season. But ultimately, it was a season of preparation. It was a season of preparation. Now, I know you might uh, want to maybe slap me for even mentioning that, right? The fact that it can be used as a season of preparation, everything that happened that was bad this past year. And it's tough to understand, but what's both you know, tough, what's both tougher about it, but also kind of cool about it is that the season of preparation is going to be for something that, honestly, we probably won't even see coming. Something that we don't even know about. So while it is, and it can be frustrating, I feel like it's also a tad bit encouraging. So it's a time of preparation. But we have to understand that preparation and learning and growing, when it comes to God, is a twofold thing. Right, the seasons of preparation and growing and learning and experiencing, it's twofold. And right, It's not only about the things that we start doing. It's not only about the things that we learn and incorporate into our lives, but it's also about the things that we stop doing and things that we have to cut out of our lives. Oftentimes those are the more difficult ones to swallow. And so here's how I wanna look at it today. Uh, With every season season of preparation comes a season of pruning, pruning season. Everyone knows about pruning where you cut away a part of the bad plant so that the good can thrive and flourish. Every so often there has to be a pruning season in our lives. John 15, two says, he cut off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce fruit even more. God will prune away, will cut away the areas of your life that are holding you back within your season or time of preparation. And I really think there are two areas that uh, that really do need to be pruned, just to make it more practical for you this morning. Uh, There are a ton of different areas of our lives, and we all know, we could spend a bunch of time talking through them. But there are two today that I kind of just want to highlight and challenge you with. And the first area that needs to be pruned is simply your issues, pruning your issues. You know, we have to cut out the issues in our lives that are holding us back. And it's funny to me, you know, I feel like what I hear all the time about the new year is, you know, it's the new me. New year, new me, right? We're even starting a series next week called This Is My Year. And actually, we'd love for your help on this. Um, Each week of the series is gonna be This Is My Year Too, What is it for you? This is my year to love better. This is my year to connect with God. This is my year to get my financial stuff started. Whatever it is, we'd love to hear about that from you so that we can kind of directly tailor each week to the things that are truly going on in your life. So if you could answer that on your Connect card, write it anywhere on your Connect card. You can turn that in. What is this year gonna be for you? This is my year to what? Right, and so everyone's saying, this is my year to do this. This is my year to be the new me, but I... I promise it won't be your year and it definitely won't be a new you if you don't cut away the issues that you know are holding you back in 2020. We all have different issues from uh, emotional to physical uh, to spiritual. It's different for everyone. But if you don't use the difficult time of preparation to grow through and shed the bad parts then sadly, it'll have all been a waste. All that time of preparation and struggle will have been a waste. So we have to prune prune our issues, right? The second thing we have to prune, and this one may sound kind of harsh to a lot of you, uh, but it's people. That's another key pruning season is people. And as harsh or uh, savage as it may sound, uh, you have to get certain people out of your life that are nudging you down a path that does not lead directly to God and the plan that he has for your life. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I love that this is the New Living Translation. It sounds like it should be straight out of maybe the message translation or something. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And he's no different translation evidently 2,000 years ago than it does now. You see, it doesn't say the fools get in trouble. It says the one who associates with the fools. So you don't have to be a fool to get in trouble. You just have to be close to them. Anybody got some fools in their lives? Right? Maybe the person sitting next to you or on the couch at home with you. I don't, I don't know if you can cut them out immediately, but just do what you have to do there. But you know, in all seriousness, sometimes you have to prune people out of your life. You have to disassociate with those that are not helping you be the person that God wants you to be. You know, again, there's so many things that we, we could keep going. we could prune. we can prune our past attitudes uh, both towards yourself and others. You can prune habits. you can prune beliefs. You can, you can prune a bunch of different things. But these are just two that I really felt like could help some people move forward this morning. And so now we know how we can optimize our season of preparation, the toughness that we go through. But in all actuality, that really doesn't make it any less tough, does it? It's still hard. And so I think another question that needs addressing is how do I handle it? I like, how do I manage all the difficulties that, that are going on? How do I survive all the challenges and the trials and tribulations that I face? And really, there is no all-encompassing answer like it, that's kind of the tough part. The answer is really in the question. How do I manage all this stuff? How do I survive it? You just manage and you just survive. In times of tough and surprising seasons, you just manage the best way you can. You turn to God and rely on him and just survive. So to close out really quickly, now I want to just look at this idea of, of managing. Like, What does that mean practically for us? Looking at God's word, if we jump around in Exodus a little bit, we see that in uh, Exodus 16, uh, the Israelites are now in the wilderness trying to survive, trying to manage, and uh, they have no food, so they're asking God for bread. They ask God, hey, provide us some bread. And, and, and what does he do? He, he's God, right? He could easily pop up a couple of loaves of Wonder Bread or whatever, you know, whatever they would want. He could easily drop it down right in front of them. But instead, he puts out this white uh, seed-like stuff, in Exodus 16, it says that they called the food manna. It was like a coriander seed and tasted like honey wafers. That's what the Bible says. And it's interesting, but what's even more interesting is that they gave it the name manna. Manna actually means, what is it? right? The name that they gave it is, what is it? Verse 15 of the same chapter says that the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. You know, they literally asked each other, what is it, and named it that. They had no idea what it was. They literally called the food, what is it, because they had no idea. So a couple of lessons that we can take away practically from this. You know, first off, the Israelites asked God to provide, right? They asked God for sustenance. They asked him for bread. They asked him for a miracle, really. There was nothing. There was no food. They wanted food. They asked him for a miracle, right? Something we do all the time, if not every day. But look at this, they had such a one-track mind because they expected God to answer their prayer in their own specific way. They asked for bread, they expected to get bread. They were so stuck in their own assumptions and expectations of God that they didn't even recognize when God put the answer to their prayers right in front of them. Does that sound familiar? They were so out of touch and focused on their own expectations their own assumptions, that they literally named the answer to their prayer, what is it? So the lesson is don't be stuck on your own expectations of how you think God should act. Because I promise, eventually, you will be disappointed. Another lesson we can see, if we look historically at manna, uh, we can see that oftentimes they took the seed and they actually ground it up, right, into a grain that they were able to make, then make bread out of. Right, sounds normal, but not when you're expecting bread, right? When they prayed for bread, they didn't expect to have to do all this work to make bread from it or to make, you know, food from it. I think that sounds like a lot of us as well. The lesson is sometimes God answers our prayers in a way that still requires some work or some effort on our part, right? And we have to be willing to put in the work, to do our part, to turn God's gift into what it is actually meant to be in our lives. Lastly, another thing about manna uh, is that it spoiled quickly, like every day quickly. So each and every day, the Israelites had to go get the seed and they had to make the manna. But what that truly represented was a dependence on God each and every day. Every day, they had to trust that God would send the seed. Every day, they had to rely on God to provide for them. If that's not a directly applicable lesson, I don't know what is. And so there are tons of different lessons that you know, we can see practically laid out for us, but there's one last one that's a little more abstract that I think we can pull out. You know, God did all these things for the Israelites. Even in the wilderness, he miraculously provided. Every day, God miraculously provides for us in ways that we don't even see. But you know what we fail to do a lot of times? Thank him for it, right? Praise him for it. Just like the Israelites, we look at the situation, the situation around us, we look at the circumstances that we find ourselves in and we say, woe is me, right? It's so bad, God, I just need you to provide for me. We feel like God performing miracles is really the least of what he could do you know, since we're dealing with all of these different things. And we do this to such a degree that we fail to see the miracles for what they in fact are. Right, do you see what I'm saying? Like, like yes, the pandemic is bad. It is very bad for a lot of people. You know, it's, it, again, the worst year of their lives. But also for a lot of people, you are still healthy. And that's a miracle. For a lot of people, you still have a job. That's a miracle. For a lot of people, you still have a roof over your head and food in your fridge, and that's another miracle. And it's nothing less than that, to be honest. And for that, we should you know we should give thanks. And so that's one of the challenges I want to leave you with this morning, even in this season of preparation that we're all still in. 2020 didn't you know end to January first. We're not in preparation anymore. Even in the season of tough times, even in the surprise seasons that seem to bring nothing but pain and hurt, first of all, recognize them for what they are. Recognize them for what they mean in terms of your growth and the pain and the hurt that God is still saving you from. But also look for the miracles. Look for the miracles that God is performing in your life each and every day, because if you do, I promise you will find them. So let's pray for that this morning, Father God. Uh, we just come to you and we thank you. Um, that as tough as this past year was, and as tough as everything that we have going on in our lives, even still to this day, God, we just thank you for it. We thank you for the fact that we're all still here. We thank you for, you know, what little we do have, God. Some of us more than others, but we thank you for each and every little thing, down to the food that's on our table the roof over our head, the job that we may still have, whatever it is, God, just help us to go through our life and not not focus on just these times, these seasons that seem to bring nothing but hurt and anguish and heartache. God, help us to kind of change our way of thinking and see it as, yes, a tough time that we have to just survive and manage, but also a time that we can grow and we can experience and we can grow not only you know, personally and in this life, but we can grow spiritually and closer to you. So God, help us to take these times that you know, when we just don't know what to do and, and just give them to you and turn to you and rely on you each and every day. Help us to focus on you. God, help us to realize that closed doors are there for a reason. That the things that we think we might be ready for, the things that we so desperately want might not be in the plan right now. But God, according to you and your word, our lives, the plan that you have for us is gonna be greater than anything we can imagine. Help us to know that and trust in that and trust in you and trust in your word even when it seems tough. You know, and if you don't know God on that level yet, if you don't you know, yet trust God on that level I just want you to know this morning, both if you're here in person or if you're at home listening, that you can. Even in a season where I'm sure you feel like, you know, there's no way this all-knowing or all-powerful, loving God could be letting me, letting us go through all of this. He is doing it because He loves you more than you could ever know. He's guiding your life down a, path greater than anything you can imagine or experience on your own. And so if you're ready to just lean into that, lean into God, you can just simply say, God, I am ready. Just pray, God, I invite you into my heart. I want to turn to you. I want to trust you. I want to rely on you each and every day for both the small and the little things. And even when life just seems tough, too tough and unbearable, that's why you're there. That's why you provide the strength and the grace and the peace that, that only can get uh, us through these difficult times. So God just help all of us whether new to relationship with you or you know been in a relationship for a long time help us to just continue to rely and trust on you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.